This is KUCI 88.9 FM in Irvine. Standing by to join me is Jody Rosenfeld. We're going to talk about her debut novel, Exploring the Coming of Age, Exploring Coming of Age with Meaningful Discussions of Sexuality, Religion, Mental Health, and the book is called Closer to Fine. Welcome to the show. Thank you so much, Janine. It's great to be here. Were you a fan of the Indigo Girls? Oh, I was <laughs> and am. I am a huge fan of the Indigo Girls. Yeah, I'm I a groupie. <laughs> yeah, I saw them in concert. And as soon as I saw the title, I'm like, she's a fan. Yeah, absolutely. And the title, very, you know, I, I use a quote from that song in the very beginning of the book. So there's no secret that that's, that that's the uh, reference. Have you always wanted to be, you know, wanted to publish this book? Is it, was this idea brewing for a while? Um, that's a great question. It, so it was brewing for a while. I think I started writing about eight and a half years ago. And I would say for a couple of years before that, I remember saying to various people, you know, I, I have this idea for a book in my head. I don't know if I'll ever write it. Mm -hmm. um, and then one day I said it to a friend, we were on a bike ride and I said, you know, I have, I have this idea kind of sitting in there, sitting in my brain somewhere about a young woman living with her grandfather. And my friend just looked at me and sort of shrugged and said, maybe it's time to put it on paper, you yeah. know? And I, I kind of went, huh, maybe it is. And that was the beginning. Did you have a Zadie? So I did, it's interesting. So Zeta, Zadie or Zeta are um, Yiddish words for grandfather. I did not call my grandfather Zadie. Oh. So it's interesting. I wanted, I absolutely knew that I wanted him to be called that in the book. Mm -hmm. um, it's a very Jewish book, but I didn't know I, I used the word grandpa. <laughs> Tell us a little bit about the story without giving too much away. Sure, sure. So Closer to Fine um, is the story of a young woman named Rachel. She's in her, her mid-20s, and she's embarking on what I, I think today we might call adulting, the tasks of adulting. Mm -hmm. But the book takes place in the 1990s, and we, we didn't use the term adulting then. Yeah. Um, but she is coming into her sort of adult voice, her adult self, um, as a young professional, as a, a Jewish woman, as a bisexual woman. Um, as a romantic partner, so much of the book revolves around a romantic relationship she's in, okay. um, as a as a young adult in her family, and as as a young as a adult granddaughter, because she actually ends up living with her Zeta um, while she's in graduate school, and so a lot of the book revolves around their intergenerational uh, shifting dynamics, you know, which is something many of us have, you know, all of us have experienced in families those intergenerational relationships. Um, and ultimately, it's a story about anxiety. It's a story about the anxiety that we all feel uh, when, we, when we come to recognize all that we don't control in our lives, how mm -hmm. much uncertainty there is in our lives. And the people in Rachel's life, um, they, they handle their anxiety, they manage their anxiety in different ways. Some of them are deniers, some of them are avoiders. Um, and it's really her story about how she wants to learn to manage her own anxiety uh, as she comes into adulthood. To me, it's really, as you said in the description, a story about mental health. Mm -hmm. it's, it, mm -hmm. it's so applicable to so many people, especially right now. Yeah, especially right now. I think we've really, yeah. you know, we all, we all suffer with certain levels of anxiety, but I think COVID really threw us for a loop. And I think, mm -hmm. you know, kind of life as we knew it was turned upside down for a period of time. And that was scary for a lot of people. Yeah. Yeah. Do you feel that, um, you know, people will read this and think about therapy is more of a positive thing now? That would be wonderful. That, that certainly is one of my hopes. Um, you know, I think, 
going to see a therapist um, at one point was highly stigmatized. It's become less and less stigmatized over time, but, mm -hmm. but there still is stigma um, for many people and in, sure. in many communities. And I hope that this would further destigmatize that. Sure. Yeah. I learned something recently that the younger generation, well, I, I knew that they were uh, very depressed and isolated in the pandemic. Mm. Um, but people take it for granted that they're very lonely, even in college, even on campuses, they're very, very lonely. And then you have older adults that are also very lonely because they're mm -hmm. isolated. Absolutely. You know, we put them aside. Let's keep grandma and grandpa safe. Right. But they're very right. lonely and isolated. And I'm so fascinated with when you bridge these two generations, wonderful things can happen. Absolutely. I mean, I think that's always the case. Um, you know, in the book, it's certainly the case. And, and I, I think currently, um, you're absolutely right that that loneliness that, you know, um, that happens in, in different age cohorts, um, one of the ways to tackle that is to bring age cohorts together. Definitely. Right? Mm. Do you feel like you wanted to highlight this wonderful bond between the Zadie and the granddaughter? So I wanted to highlight it you know, and it isn't always wonderful, right? So yeah. it's, at, it's, at its core, it is. At its core, they love each other very much. Um, they, they're very close. And yet they come at the world very, very differently. Uh, Zeta is, you know, somewhat symbolic of, of all tradition. He, he likes to do things the way they've been done, mm -hmm. um, certainly religiously, but also in many ways in his life, he adheres to tradition. And Rachel, um, in contrast, is someone who likes to do things in new ways, likes to think in new ways. Um, and for the two of them to find common ground across those differences is not always easy. Yeah. Hmm. Let's talk about how you intertwine Judaism and feminism. Sure, sure. So um, <laughs> for me personally, that was a real quest in my 20s. It was to figure out how those two fit together. Um, you know, in college, I really discovered my own feminism and my feminist voice. Um, and it, and my gut response was to say that I couldn't be both. I couldn't be a feminist and be Jewish, that, that Judaism was this very, very ancient tradition um, that was built upon stories of men in dominating roles and women who were largely silent. Um, and that therefore there was no place, you know, I, I had to reject it. Um, and there was a sadness in that for me. Um, and then it changed pretty drastically. I, I had, a, I remember, you know, actually the moment it changed for me, I, a woman in my dorm, a young woman in my dorm um, came and knocked on my door one night and she said, um, the new rabbi on campus, who was a woman, um, was having a women's discussion group at the women's center. So not at the Hillel or not at the, not in a Jewish space, but in the women's center space, which felt very safe to me. It was a place right. I really liked. And I, she said, do you want to come with me? And I mm -hmm. said, oh, I'll, I'll check it out. Mm -hmm. um, and that was a change. That was a turning point for me that I, when I realized that there is something, um, there is something called feminist Judaism and that there are many women um, looking to tell the untold stories of, of women in Jewish history who were largely, un, you know, stories that were largely untold. Sure. So that became um, somewhat of a passion of mine. And I really re-entered Jewish spaces at, at that point in my life. That's amazing. Did you feel like you could integrate your backstory, your life into this character? 
Absolutely. Absolutely. So, you know, the, Rachel and I have a lot in common for sure. Um, I absolutely started with the things that I know, you know, I too came out as bisexual in college and struggled with feminist, finding my feminist voice in Judaism. Um, I never did live with my grandfather, but I was very close to him. So I really started with things that were close to my heart and my experience and then took it from there in different, you know, different directions. Um, which is something so amazing about fiction. It just allows you to wonder out loud what might have happened if things had gone this way or that way. Um, so that was that was how how she came to be. Yeah, I love that. What do you hope readers take away from this book? I want readers to um, to see that we that no matter who we are, right? Who who we date, who mm -hmm. we love, um, how we worship that we actually have some very common threads of our humanity yeah. um, and that we experience anxiety very similarly. There's a lot that we're afraid of um, it, being human beings on this earth and it makes sense that we're afraid of them and that we, we, find, diff we find solace in each other in our relationships first and foremost. Um, and that's that's something that I think is universal that I hope speaks to readers from all backgrounds. You know, when I first started writing, I sort of thought, oh, I have a very small niche audience. This is, this is a book that's going to uh, speak to young queer Jewish women who have been in therapy. <laughs> and then <laughs> over time, I think I've changed my, changed my mind about that. I really now see it as a much more universal uh, story. Yeah. yeah. It's so interesting. My dad used to have this uh, saying, don't confuse love for weakness. Mm. And I, he was trying to get across, don't stay with somebody that you know is keeping you from growing that is the wrong person because you're mm -hmm. just used to them. Mm -hmm. and, and you're weak. You're too weak. Uh, you're not strong enough to make the bold move to know right. you'd rather be alone. Right. Yeah. I think that's, that's oh, there's a lot of wisdom in that. Yeah. Right. And it speaks to, again, this this kind of universal anxiety we have. We're all afraid of of being alone in certain ways. We all make decisions um, for reasons other than like he might say love. Right. For mm -hmm. reasons other than what's best for us. We sometimes make them as ways of feeling safe. Um, right. And that's a great example of something many people do. Before we wrap up, my show is called Get the Funk Out. Uh -huh. I love your, I love the title of your show. <laughs> and we all go through these ups and downs, as you know, what advice would you give to somebody right now who's been struggling, you know, mentally, emotionally, physically? Yeah, absolutely. You don't need to do it by yourself. That's, that's the most important thing that there are resources, you know, so anyone who needs support, you know, like you said, whether, whether that be emotional support, if you're physically unsafe, certainly then there are, um, there are many resources in every community and not to be afraid to just to even just hop online and, and Google and say, where can I get help for this or that? And then to pursue that, because I think, you know, none of us need to do this alone. Right. Perfect. Yeah. And where can people find out more about you? Uh, they can go to my website, which is jodyrosenfeld.com. And um, yeah, I would love to hear, hear from readers and hear what you thought about the book. And uh, I hope you love it as much as I loved writing it. And have you already started your next one? I have not. I have not started my next no one. Pressure. Yeah, no pressure. That's right. That's right. I don't think there'll be a sequel per se, but we'll see. All right. Well, keep me posted. Great. Thanks, Janine, so much. This was lovely. Thank you.